This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Thank you for choosing the Dine Local ST podcast. Visit DineLocalST.com for the latest in restaurant offerings. Here's your host, Nick Shenton. All right, everybody. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Dine Local San Diego podcast. I am your host, Nick Shinton, and Burr San Diego. Gosh, it's been cold. Uh, so excited about a little bit of a warm-up here. Uh, all this rain has turned all the all the, the valleys and just bright red, green, and lush, and I know that's having an effect on the farmer's market. So here to tell us all about that is Joe Herman. Joe, welcome. Hey, Nick. What's going on? Not much. You tell me, because it's been absolutely crazy out there weather-wise it has been we're, we're seeing a little bit of everything yeah we had we had a lot of uh hail <laughs> um some snow yeah snow flurries in north park that's crazy right <laughs> but i mean like it's got to be affecting these farms so differently are we what are we seeing right now um we're seeing a lot of things one i mean the rain is super beneficial it's going to pay itself off uh the frost is definitely you know, ruining some things, uh, some lettuces. Punterelle, I heard from Gardenov, is done for the year. Their crop, their their mixed baby kale might be done as well. Mm-hmm. And kale, you know, holds up to that stuff. So, so that's even some sad. of the, it's even been a little bit cold for even the hardier of greens. Right. Wow. But I think we're coming out of it. But then you were talking about what's the benefits of these rains. What is there any sort of season that we should be looking forward to because of all this rain we're getting now? Yeah, everything coming up. Uh, stone fruit, cherries. Peaches, nectarines, the whole you know, plums. So that's really going to make it. That's going to be great year for that. I think it's going to last all the way. It's going to help out even apples next year. Excellent, um, all that. But and it's helping out the stuff right now. All the greens look great. We're seeing spring finally like really come in. We have um, all the peas, snow peas, snap peas, English peas, uh, the pea vines. Mm-hmm. Pea vines coming out of Coastal and Coleman, uh, her produce, Fresno Evergreen. A Every fava beans in there, too? Fava beans from Black Sheep, as well as the snow peas. Uh, everybody's got green garlic. Green garlic's just everywhere, which is great. Art- is this artichokes. early for green garlic, or is this the time of year we usually see it? No, we're seeing it now, yeah. Okay. For here, it's good. Uh, they started planting back in November for this. Wow. So now it's coming in. And now we're, get, we're seeing artichokes, uh, asparagus. Should be nice and healthy, I would say, in a couple of weeks. So lots of the staples of spring start to poke their head through. Right. Cool. Well, I know it's coming up on the, you know, we're winding down on citrus season. Uh, do you want to recap that one real quick? Because, I mean, citrus, I think Southern California, you know, citrus season is epic around here. Anything good still left in the cooler that you recommend? Yeah, I think a lot of it's good. Uh, we're Sumos are going out. It's kind of the last your last chance to get those. The those are the giant tangerines that are right. super easy peel segments. Uh, everything else, uh, we're at a Sanguinelli blood orange just went out. But we still have the uh, the Moros. Those okay. are what's left. Still good on car cars. All the grapefruit's going to be steady for a while, and that's going to go right into early summer. Cool. Uh, the tangerines, you know, some of the satsumas are, you know, you can just tell they're not as good as they used to be, but there's still new crops popping in. So I think we're going to be okay on that for a while. Awesome. So lots of good things happening in the farmer's market right now. Lots of good things to come. Thanks, Joe. And with us today, we got Brandy Reynolds. Uh, As usual, you've been out selling that farm fresh produce directly to the chefs. What are the chefs buying and what are they doing with it? Right. So, but now I've been going to Lionfish. Lionfish, that place is awesome. Yes. Been seeing Chef Jojo every week and they're big buyers. Jojo Ruiz. Yes. And they are big buyers on the truck. Killer. Um, They always buy a lot of cauliflower, color cauliflower. They're always doing some kind of like grilled 
cauliflower dish. They did um, a king salmon dish with Romanesco from Two Peas in a Pod. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. You can just stare at it all day. It looks like it has like gold dust on it from the pollen. It's super beautiful. And they've been using the actual leaves from the cauliflower plant grilled with the dish, which is really interesting. Yeah, that is, I, you know, I, you don't see many people utilizing that. So, you know, you, typical people using beet greens, carrot tops. You know, you got a lot of these utilization. I've never heard of somebody using, uh, you know, cauliflower leaves. That's yeah. cool. Why buy kale when you can use cauliflower leaves? That's, so it's kind of like a little bit uh, heartier, like like a kale. And yeah, definitely. It has a rib in it, but you can use it with grilled. He actually is working on some new dishes for a restaurant he's opening later this year, and he did a grilled spigarello, mm-hmm. and it was the best thing that I tried that he had made. It made it so tender and took to dressing so well, and it was like chilled. And was that was the really curly good. spigarello or yes, like the curly spigarello? Cool. Yeah, he also just got a James Beard found. Foundation award for a smart catch, which is a sustainability sustainability award for fishing. Wow, and is that that sounds really prestigious? I know the James Beard Foundation is one of those things as a culinarian that you know to get any sort of recognition by them is you know really you're at the pinnacle of your game, and to, to get that uh, sustainable catch award, that's killer. Yeah, I know he's really stoked about it, and there's they should be super proud because it's a tremendous honor. And it kind of ties in with their concepts, you know. For those of you who aren't familiar with what a lionfish is, lionfish is this kind of a uh, I believe it's a feral fish that affects reefs in the uh, caribbean um i could be wrong on that i might want to but you kind of threw me for but anyway it, it, makes, it makes it makes sense that that he would be getting that award that's uh, that sounds really cool yeah awesome well thank you so much for uh telling us all about lionfish brandy uh that's gonna do it for the farmer's market report today hang on when just a second we're gonna bring in chef matt gordon uh of a couple of my favorite restaurants urban solace moonlit solace uh just an awesome restaurant tour and guys so excited to have him in here in just a second stay tuned All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the main ingredient. I am so excited to have Chef Matt Gordon with us today of Solace and the Moonlight Lounge. Did I get that right? You did. <laughs> and Urban Solace, uh, two of my absolute favorite restaurants. I frequent Urban Solace down here. I mean, every now and then I get a, cra- a craving for the, the, the cheddar biscuits and orange marmalade that are just, I mean, one of the, the absolute best items in San Diego. If you guys haven't tried it, at least stop by and grab yourself a biscuit because um, they're just Really to die for. What a cool signature item. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I wanted to kick it off today. Like, uh, you know, as as chefs and, you know, coming up in the, in the chef industry, everybody dreams about starting their own restaurant and starting the thing. And you you start coming up with all these concepts and things. And, and you, you, you have this dream of what you want to execute. But for you, it wasn't necessarily the concept. It was the ethos of it. And you've stuck to that. Yeah. And that's a, really about the ingredients you choose to use. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I would love to talk about that. Um, I think our, our initial concept was kind of an anti-concept um, in that when we were planning Urban Solace, there was so much fusion and, and like how many countries can you put on a plate that we wanted to come up with a menu that really focused on one thing. And that was sort of we just picked American food and sort of a, a study of Americana. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that the building looks like it dropped out of New Orleans sure. makes people that think of it as a raw southern, ironwork. Yeah, it's southern, really cool looking southern restaurant. But I'm from Los Angeles and I've been to Louisiana once, so it's not <laughs> it's not meant to be that. Um, but we did, and a lot of people know this story who know about us or know our restaurant. But we we came from a point of view that we wanted to 
only use things that we, to make a really long story short, that we would feed our kids. Yeah. Because we weren't feeding our children anything processed or artificial colors, high fructose corn syrup, you know, preservatives, all that kind of stuff. We really were trying to live as naturally as possible at home. And when it came time to open the restaurant, it's really easy to get good produce. It's fairly easy to get good meat or back then mm-hmm. uh, a little harder, but easier now. And, but we started looking at everything else in the restaurant and, you know, from, we wanted to operate like a normal restaurant, have sodas on the gun for the bartenders, sure. have mixers that people want uh, behind the bar, have, you know, the kitchen staples in the pantry, you know, Worcestershire sauce and other things like that. And going through all of those products, we realized there's so much crap in everything. And even really nice high-end fine dining kitchens that do rely on Worcestershire sauce or other ingredients that, um, we, I mean, we always make everything from scratch, but there's things that you're just used to having in a kitchen. Sure. And uh, our goal was to just be free of all those things. And um, not necessarily here to plug specialty produce, but but Patrick here at specialty produce was re- probably the most instrumental person in allowing us to achieve that mission. Oh, that's super cool. Uh, so we, you know, many years ago went through a process of trying to find a soda in the box, bag and box soda that you could have on a gun or at a fountain dispenser, as opposed to buying natural sodas and bottles and wasting all that shipping and recycling glass and all those other things. And it took a really long time to convince a company to sell to us out here on the West Coast, and Patrick made that happen. And then eventually we connected with a guy in Orange County who makes them now, um, which a lot of restaurants use, called uh, Batchcraft Sodas, which we get through Specialty Produce as well. So that was like a three-year process to get to Batchcraft. I had no idea that you were the catalyst behind that story. That's super cool. Yeah. and, you know, Robbie's organic, or what used to be organic now, it's just natural uh, Worcestershire sauce, gluten-free, vegan, so we can have a Bloody Mary. And we have a lot of vegan people in North Park who don't have to worry about not having a Bloody Mary because Worcestershire sauce is traditionally made with anchovies. But mm-hmm. this, Patrick brought us a number of different samples to taste, and this one had the most similar flavor profile to a Worcestershire sauce that we wanted. And so our kitchen is full of things that that we had Basically, Patrick here at Specialty Source out for us to allow us to achieve that mission. Again, it's easy. produce is not that hard to find good stuff. Yeah, um, meat. We have a very specific ethos about no hormones, no antibiotics ever at any time. So, again, for people maybe listening to this who go to the grocery store, if it, you know they have a natural meat section, it doesn't mean a whole lot. That means that it had to stop getting those things about ninety days before slaughter. So we buy only meats that never ever achieve and never ever given those things at any time so um it's a little more costly to run a restaurant that way but we've just always said that this is how we want to do it and we've stuck to it now for going on 12 years so that's super cool and again you're standing behind that ethos as as the core of your concept but at the same time you've kind of let your concepts develop a little bit and take on little lives of their own and being really responsive to the clientele around them. Yeah. And so what I would talk about is like a little bit of that change and that shift that's happening up now at Urban Solace. Yeah. Uh, we, you've just launched a new concept or in the, in, in Urban Solace, which is Bar Solace. Correct. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, 12 years in North Park, we've seen the, the neighborhood change a number of different times as it continues to grow and evolve and become you know, what it is right now. And uh, unlike up in North County where Solace and Moonlight Lounge is, we saw a, a real, unfortunately, decrease in the number of people that were really out looking for multi-course dining. You know, weekends are busy, but the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Thursday nights, it's not 
it's it became a little more of a special occasion restaurant for sure. people down there. And um, so we just sat and thought about what it is, what what are the things that we do best, and one of them is brunch. Mm-hmm. We've Sunday brunch has always been our busiest shift. The bluegrass of the week. brunch, yeah, yeah, for sure. And Saturday is really busy as well without the bluegrass. But um, there's a, I think there's a myth out there that chefs don't like breakfast. Um, maybe it's true for a lot of people. I've always said I think that's true when we're younger and we're living a typical chef life and staying up till the wee hours, sure. wee hours of the morning and then partying till sunrise. And, and then, of course, breakfast isn't a real great idea to have to go run a shift. Um, but I love it. I love the quickness of it. I love the adrenaline rush behind doing, you know, 300 covers in a 100-seat restaurant on totally. a Sunday. I mean, it's just – it's super fun. It's lively. It's fast. Um I, That's a shift that doesn't drag out. It just goes by, right? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I've always called it combat cooking. I mean, it's really a war zone in that kitchen during those shifts because mm-hmm. it's just you're you're dealing with things flying at you from every direction, from you know large tables, and then fourteen other tickets coming in behind a fourteen top, and sure. having to. There's a lot of strategy involved in staying on track and staying successful yeah, through when, a shift like that. When you talk about executing eggs, you know, the, it's like, you know, those things don't have a window life on yeah. them. You need to, no, they do they, not. everything needs to come up together. And, you know, and our, our hot window holds five plates. So, <laughs> <laughs> so guaranteed, if you go in and, and get brunch at uh, Urban Solace, that you're not going to have a plate that's been sitting around in your heat lamp. No, probably not. <laughs> um, so we decided to push the button on getting that on uh, the schedule seven days a week. So we're 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day doing a brunch menu. It's the same menu all through the week with the exception of our cinnamon rolls. We do still on just uh, Saturday, Sunday. And then we have a sticky bun that's pretty similar in flavor um, that we do during the week. But uh, I love I love the breakfast menu or the brunch menu. I, it's, I, think, I think as a chef why I enjoy doing it is because – over the years of – I have 30-plus years in the kitchen um, or as an adult in the last 10 years, 12 years. My daughter is 13 now, so having kids, breakfast a lot of times is the only meal I get to eat with my family. So yeah. it's sort of a special occasion for us to go out for breakfast. And there's just – like where I live now, there's just nothing. It's, yeah. There's nothing. So it's a pilgrimage to go find a decent breakfast spot. Um, and there's a lot of good breakfast spots around San Diego, but I thought North Park had room for one more. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, that's what we're doing. Again, a really talented chef bringing your twist on breakfast with your ethos on it. I mean, it, it, even if it was a saturated market, I, you yeah. are, are a different, unique point that's worth going to check in at, checking out and seeing what you're doing up there. Yeah, it's, I, I think the you know it's not an over-the-top menu. We don't have 15 different kinds of pancakes with – you know, enough calories to get you through the week uh, in one breakfast sitting. But I think it's it's a well-executed menu of not too simple and not too complicated. And uh, the ingredients are pure and it's just uh, delicious. And we make a mean hash brown, which is my favorite part of it. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then at night, what we decided to do as we looked around the neighborhood, it seemed like when I would look out on the sidewalk at 8, you know, at seven o'clock at night, there was not that many people around anymore in our neighborhood. It wasn't till later in the evening that things really start ramping up. And sure. um, it's not that we have more bars than we used to. It's that a lot of the bars that used to be divey bars or old bars have regenerated and become places like Coin Up or True North or U Thirty One. You know, Seven Grand. All those, yeah. all those were little, bars. You got a hot little corner there of a yeah. lot of a lot of bars. That's and for sure. I think the the main 
sort of population in the neighborhood itself, the younger population is out for more of a social scene than they are for, you know, a two, three course dinner. So we decided to adapt into Bar Solace at night and it's still very much a dining situation. Um, our cocktail program has always been extremely strong. My wife runs a beverage program and I think it, it's, I think it's the best in North Park, uh, certainly in our area. Um, but for the food side of it, we decided to go to sort of a social dining shared plate cool. type menu. Um, which ironically is what I was doing before I opened Urban Solace up in Northern California. But it's just a fun menu broken up into a few different sections, vegetarian items, seafood items, meat items, and desserts. And everything is meant for, you know, a table of four, order six, seven, eight, ten plates, and, yeah. you know, share them around. The portions aren't so small that you only get one little sliver if you're with a group of four. So um, it's, again, it was a, I think after 12 years of Urban Solace, or 11 plus years of urban solace there were so many things like the biscuits that are still on them those are still on the menu but they're really the only yeah, i didn't check that before yeah. I said, i'm glad, I, I'm glad. <laughs> I, well i i figured they had to still be there because i mean seriously yeah they, they're like a legend yeah <laughs> i think there was a I've, I've been trying to come up with the right words for this i think there's a legend around urban solace or a mythology around urban solace is this bastion of comfort food and we've had the chicken and dumplings and the meatloaf and the beef cheeks have been like the three staple entrees since we opened the restaurant basically and i at various times i'd taken them off the menu and just you know the outpouring of hate was <laughs> <laughs> threats and you know scary um and i we could talk about solace the moon lounge in a minute but i i did a very intentionally different thing with that restaurant that i didn't do with urban solace and i felt bound to the menu and i and the 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 legend of what it was and i know that doesn't sound very humble but you know but, well it's true though you know i've meet i do events and just you know meet people every day who have these memories of that restaurant and the chicken and dumplings or the meatloaf or the beef cheeks and while if we were still doing 200 covers on a tuesday night i never would be having this conversation but the the reality is we weren't and so I think a lot of the people who built these memories at Urban Solace, who like us have kids that are growing and have moved out of the neighborhood, bigger home elsewhere, you know, different types of situations, they they aren't coming as often anymore. And I I have told the story a couple times publicly, but I was at Celebrate the Craft and then the uh, the closing uh, thing of the beer week event at mm-hmm. both at the Lodge at Torrey Pines, and between those two events, at least forty times. People came up to the table. Oh my God, this is our favorite restaurant. We haven't been in months. How come we we live up in you know Carlsbad now, or Poway now, or Forest Ranch now, or we moved out of state and we're just back here because we love this event? But we used to go all the time. We had our first date there. We got engaged there. There's we have so many stories like that, and it's just I felt like in order to be, become the next thing, it was time to shut the door. Yeah. On on that menu and just become something different. So that's where it came from. Well, that's, you know, it's, again, it's really cool that you've been able to be responsive to what the neighborhood is dictating and and not compromising your ethos. And again, allowing the concept to develop a little bit. And, you know, I'm, you know, again, the brunch, you guys, it's just an awesome experience all around there, yeah. too. So you still have that. That one of the things that made you guys such a legend to begin with was yeah. is definitely your brunch service. So awesome that still we still have that to to cling to for the, those <laughs> of us who still love yeah. it. And, and I can you go still get have my the cheddar, biscuits. Get my cheddar biscuits. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Solace real quick. You yeah. you started touching about uh, or Moonlight Sol- Solace and the Moonlight Lounge. 
You started talking a little bit about the menu up there. What's you're still doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or uh, we just do brunch on the weekends, brunch on the weekends. And, and dinner nightly. Dinner so night. you know, we were we're in a shopping center, if you could call it that, um, mm-hmm. right in the 101 in Encinitas, and it was anchored by a Whole Foods, which closed two years ago. Oh, wow! And so it's it's since that closure, it's been a pretty quiet daytime area for us. So we stopped doing lunches during the week for the winter. Um, probably after spring break, we'll open back up for lunch. Um, but at dinner time, it's just I, I think again, not to not sound too humble, but I think for that area. It's sort of the sophisticated choice. There's really great Italian restaurants, and then there's a lot of kind of bar, restaurant, food, TV, sports things going on. And as at both restaurants, we don't have those things. We're not we're not, a, we're not an overly heavy beer, craft beer type of place. We have them. Um, we don't have TVs. So it really, I think, is kind of the adult dining experience on sure. the street. Um and when we opened that restaurant, we were kind of at the peak of Urban Solace's, uh, you know, sort of legend growing. And I I knew having a second restaurant, I didn't want to end up in a situation where they were too connected. It was never going to be another Urban Solace. We weren't going to do the same menu over. And I didn't want it to be a thing where people who thought I was Urban Solace and now I'm distracted by another restaurant – that it would become this thing like, oh, he's not there. It mustn't be as good. And I, just, I wanted it to be its own thing. Sure. At Urban Solace for years, the whole front wall as you're you know, leaving the restaurant front door was just covered in press and pictures and awards and you know, five pictures of me at least in different things. And with Solace Mail Lounge, we chose not to do that at all. It, I didn't want it to be a Matt Gordon restaurant as mm-hmm. much as I just wanted it to be a restaurant. And so we, we we share a few menu items. The biscuits are there, and that's really it now. But there was always a couple entrees that would go back and forth between them. But even after uh, we're getting close to eight years there, people all the time will ask, are you connected to the other at Urban Solace? And we're like, of, of course. I mean, this, uh, you can't have two restaurants called Solace in the same city. Yeah. Um, but people still don't know that much, and maybe that was a poor marketing decision. Maybe that was a good decision in the end. I don't know, but we wanted it to have a life of its own and not just be another Urban Solace and have a lot more flexibility on the menu because we already knew back then that our menu wasn't very flexible because people wanted the chicken and dumplings and the meatloaf and the yeah. beef cheeks, the duckaroni, and those never went on the menu there. Yeah. So. Well, it's cool allowing yourself to you know again have this new identity up there, not yeah. bound by these things, and and it's you know still doing great up there. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, chef, thank you so much for joining us Heck today. Yeah. Um, always a pleasure to run into you and talk to you. I've had the pleasure of knowing you, I guess, for like almost ten, twelve years now. Yeah. As well, uh, back in the days when I used to. You know, do events and stuff like that. I remember a couple different booths I had with you. Just such a pleasure. Thanks, Chef. Absolutely. Thanks for coming in. Yeah. That's going to do it for us, guys, on the Dime Local San Diego podcast. Uh, tune in next week. Thank you. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography, and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.